welcome to the Daikaiju Network Podcast Commentary on 1968's Destroy All Monsters. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other Jason, co-host. Jason, what's going on, everyone? All right, so this is uh, uh, a film that obviously uh, anyone who is uh, remotely uh, involved with the fandom on any level uh, understands that this is one of the more popular uh, Godzilla films, and so we just haven't covered it yet for a commentary, and so that's kind of what we're deciding to do today. Uh, A little bit of housekeeping, this will be our last podcast until the week of uh, July. July 5th, and we're going to hold some panels uh, during that week. We're, we're still ironing out a few of the details, but um, but yeah, like uh, we'll, we'll kind of have some more things ready, excuse me, in the next week or so leading up to that. Uh, but before we get going on the commentary, I guess we just kind of say a few brief things as far as our history of this movie and sort of what we've initially thought about it. So, Jason, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, when it comes to Destroy All Monsters, I think the last time that I actually watched this movie was probably a couple of years ago when uh, the Blu-ray version of this movie came out. Um and uh, yeah, that was the last time I watched it. But after many years of actually having seen this movie and also discussing about it earlier on in our uh, uh, podcast show and everything, um, it's it's a really good movie. And if it's like it's like. Not only it just doesn't focus on all the monsters, even though there's a lot of monsters uh, in this movie, but it also focuses like it sort of balances things out a little bit uh, with the human side of the story as well as, uh, you know, with the aliens trying to take over the world, uh, trying to control some of the monsters here, there, as well as humans. Uh, mind you and it's it's a really uh good take of the whole uh godzilla franchise and originally it was supposed to be the final film of the godzilla franchise originally but uh, apparently they just uh kept on going but uh nevertheless it's it's a really good uh for me, anyways, a popcorn movie, and sort of get to see a lot of the uh, great monsters that sort of haven't really interacted with one another, and just sort of see how they interact with one another. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a really good uh, movie for me. Yeah, I mean. Um we visited we revisited this uh, a couple movie times, la- yeah. at some point last yeah. year and um I, I've said it numerous times throughout the course of of our podcast over ten years of podcasting that um unfortunately for me this film never um it never registered with me on the same level that it has with most fans. And uh, I think there are a couple reasons for that. One reason is that I saw it at the age of 13, going on 14, so I was a bit older um, at the time. 
Whereas a lot of fans, especially those who were Boomer and Gen X or saw it when they were younger, and when you're younger, certain things tend to stick with you more for, for that nostalgia factor. So I don't really have that with this because this movie, by and large, was sort of lost for a good while until it came out on VHS and, and DVD from ADV Films back in 98. Mm-hmm. And so I think my age, at when I saw it, I think that had something to do with it. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, definitely for me, one of the things that that has made this film a bit underwhelming to me is that this film was hyped up so much throughout the course of my life before I saw it. Uh, I became a Godzilla fan in late 1992 at the age of eight, and I had read uh, about the film in one in Ian Thorne's Godzilla book. Anybody who is old enough probably will remember that from the Crestwood House Monster oh, series, yeah. I believe it was. I have that book on my shelf. I remember uh, um, we checked that book out many times during our like elementary school days because I think our uh, elementary school uh, at the time they had uh, those particular books if I remember they yeah. had I think pretty much the entire collection mm-hmm. and um and then at the same time, I had kept hearing from a lot of people in the early days of the internet um, on message boards and other sites where some uh, of the earlier Godzilla fan sites uh, reviewed the movies that this was like the movie. And so I was hyped up for this. I re- still remember – I don't remember the exact store, but I remember when I saw this movie in a music – Type of store, not a, kind of a, a Sam Sun Goody Coast. type of store. Is that the one that you're talking? Um, about? Was it Suncoast? I know we. I don't think that was the store that we found this in. I, I would have to say we have. It would have to be Suncoast because it was in Mall of America. I do remember that. Um, but I remember when I saw this, I'm like, Jason, look, it's just destroy all monsters. And we're just like, oh. <laughs> and so um, we brought it home and we watched it. And I actually found myself to be kind of disappointed uh, in the film uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I, I, well, one of the things is that I just don't think that the kaiju action is as prominent as sort of as advertised, not just through. Um, the trailer, but through you know the book and through other people whom I had read that discussed this film, uh, and the fact too, I just think I, I thought the story is pretty basic. Despite the fact that we have some good actors in this movie, I thought a lot of their characters are dull, um, and I still, by and large think that way so i don't hate this movie but i don't think it's some sort of masterpiece either i will give it props on on technical aspects but um by and large i I think this movie is okay it's to me it's a middle of the road type of film um so yeah um so we're going to go ahead and do the commentary. Anyone who is not familiar with how we do the commentaries here, I go three, two, one, go. And when I say go, we hit the uh, play uh, button on whichever device you happen to be using to watch uh, this uh, movie with us. So are you yeah, ready? It, it just uh, went went back to the home menu of the uh, Blu-ray player for me, so I had to get everything all set up <laughs> again. 
annoyingly. <laughs> All right, so ready? Yep. All right, so here we go. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so like I was telling Jason earlier, um, I am watching this movie uh, the via the Tokyo Shock Media Blasters Blu-ray, and um, I had thought that this version of the film also had the Titra dub, uh, which was um, commissioned by AIP back in the day, and um, – and I found out that's not the case. So only my uh, one DVD uh, has the Titra dub on it. And uh, and I said it before when we revisited this film uh, at some point last year that uh, I w- I've seen this movie with the Titra dub a couple of times. And one of them was with that review. And, um, and so – I was trying to compare because uh, the first time I heard this Titra dub, I was not all that impressed. And and you know, again, too, this is one of those things where I've read in several books and even online from many people who uh, grew up watching this film with that Titra dub that that was like a great dub. That was the superior dub, whereas the one that came out on ADV. Uh, was an international dub done in Japan. And so when I first heard the Titra dub, I was not impressed with it. And I think part of that, as I said before on that previous review, that first of all, I grew up with the international dub, so that's kind of the dub I'm used to. Uh, So I think there's sort of a a built-in bias with me on that front. Um, Second of all, I thought some of the dialogue changes or differences between the two, which uh, aren't many, but they're noticeable if you're familiar with each dub. Uh, I thought some of the differences um, with the Titra dub were not – great changes uh, with the dialogue and at the same time I just thought the actual performances the inflections and voices and 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 what have you I wasn't too keen on the representations of the individual characters with that particular dub and so when we revisited the film last year I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this once with the international dub, and then I'll do it with the Titra dub. And so I did that, and I still walked away. I'm like, I actually walked away disliking the Titra dub even more because I saw them relatively close to each Mm -hmm. other. And I just thought to myself, no, I don't like it. Um, And like I said, part of it, I think, with me is there's a built-in bias because I've been so used to that international dub. And I'm not saying the international dub is great. It really isn't. But I think when when I've compared the two, I think the international dub does a bit better in terms of the minor dialogue changes. And I think even the voice actors – quite honestly do a bit better job in terms of really embodying their respective characters um, as well. And um, quite frankly, out of all the AIP Titra dubs that I've heard of the various Godzilla films, um, I found that 
particular Titra dub of Destroy All Monsters to really be the weakest. I, I was very surprised at in my opinion, how weak that particular dub was because, um, you know, you do – you get like Mothra versus Godzilla and even Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Like in my opinion, those are some of the greatest dubs, not just in the Godzilla franchise but in the entire genre quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And I just was very disappointed in the representation we got with Destroy All Monsters. And on this uh, Blu-ray that I have, which I'm probably guessing that you have, uh, I think you'll like at least like this, but I have the subtitles going on right now since I have the volume down low. But the, uh, the subtitle format... Nice, thick, bold, yellow fonts. <laughs> I do like that. Let me quickly see what it is on mine here for a second. Let's see. Subtitle. I gotta wait for text to come up. Someone talk. Not you, Godzilla. Dooty dooty doo. And I think this is, this was the first movie with that particular... Yeah, big, bold yellow. <laughs> I think this was the first movie with this particular Godzilla suit, am I right? This okay. is, yes. Yeah, because when, uh, when he was heading back to land there, it, it already looked like it was sort of falling apart because like it's, you saw a short shot, like a part, part of the arm just back of his arm above the elbow there looked like some some of that texture was sort of missing <laughs> uh, I guess I didn't see that I'll have to look at it again next time but yeah like you bring up um, you know the suit the Godzilla suit is new for the first time for the franchise and this suit would be reused three more times uh, Rodan got a facelift so did King Ghidorah although I'm not quite um, impressed with the whole Rodan sort of appearance mainly the face part <laughs> I'm not either especially like in the, the face like his that's beak, where I have the like biggest his beak problem is really downwards instead of more straightforward yes yeah, the Minya suit is the same one from the previous movie, Son of Godzilla. Uh, I believe both uh, – well, definitely the Kumanga suit is the same thing from the last one as well. Uh, there's uh, Sosumo Kurobe, who plays Ultraman and Hayata in the original Ultraman. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, and then um, um, the Gorosaurus suit is the same one from the previous year's King Kong Escapes. Um Angerus is a whole new suit. In fact, this is Angerus' first appearance since Godzilla raids again in 55. That doesn't um, seem like it. <laughs> well, I know, but it is. Um, Varan is in the film, but because the suit uh, was deteriorated uh, and due to the budget – even though the budget for this film was more than the previous two films, uh, they just didn't have enough money to do a whole new Varan suit. So you have a marionette, and that's why Varan's only in like two quick shots in this mm. film. 
Um, and everybody who is familiar with this movie knows the faux pas that happens uh, when the newscaster later on says Paris uh, is leveled by Baragon. Well, no, it's Gorosaurus. Right. And that's not a problem with the dub. In fact, even in the Japanese script, yes, they didn't even bother changing it. They still used Baragon. Uh, and the reason – uh, why Bargon is hardly ever used in this film is due to the fact that that particular suit was used extensively in a lot of Subarai productions of the Ultraman TV series. Oh going yeah, on definitely. Because there were at least a couple of monsters that I know from that show that they were using basically the majority of that entire suit, particularly one monster that I know, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I know that they've used... They've reused <laughs> most of that. Yeah, that's the stupid thing that they're doing here. Gas, hey, let's just open up the door. <laughs> it looks like dried mustard. Mustard gas. Oh, man, you talk about something that's deadly. <laughs> this movie also marks the debut of Monsterland or Monster Island, something that would make a recurring... Uh, appearance in a number of the movies to follow. Well, a sort of, I, I think, a common misconception about this film is that this was Subaraya's final film. And in a way, that's true. However, he still wasn't as active um, in the production of this film because he was his health was declining and declining rapidly. And yeah, he kind of supervised it, but by and large, it was Sadamasa Arikawa uh, who did a bulk of the effects work. And I believe, in my opinion, this is just a theory, and I really can't back it up. But I truly believe that part of the problem that I have with this film, which is some of the kaiju action, in some cases the lack of kaiju action, um, I do believe part of that is due to the fact that Subaraya really wasn't as wholly involved with this film. And I think Arikawa and his crew maybe were a bit more hesitant to do certain types of footage. Now, granted, budget uh, plays a part in that too to some degree but I, I still in my heart of hearts have this theory that with Subaraya kind of being absent for the most part that maybe there just wasn't the sort of confidence on set to really do more extensive and comprehensive effects work but that's again just a theory of mine mm -hmm. and like I had uh, talked about here a moment ago uh, that this film is given a slightly higher budget than the previous two films. And as Jason had said at the top of this podcast, uh, this initially was supposed to be the final Godzilla film. Uh, this final few films had not been doing well in terms of ticket sales and therefore, of course, his revenue. And this film uh, was supposed to lay Godzilla to rest uh, for quite a while 
And this movie did only slightly better than Son of Godzilla. Son of Godzilla sold 2.5 million tickets. Destroy All Monsters sold 2.6 million. Wow. <laughs> Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, if I remember correctly, did even a bit better than this film. Jeez. Yeah, and the uh, the dub here, or the subtitles here, it just said Subterranean Monster. <laughs> But yeah, it's like when we talked about uh, the Rodan appearance, where at least in the shots where he was flying around Moscow, that his beak was more straightforward instead of more down. The marionette, Yeah. yeah. It's still unfortunate that given the fact that, um, you know, this film is given a slightly higher budget, um, it's still unfortunate that some of the effects work in various parts of this film still just isn't great. And again, I don't blame uh, Arikawa and his crew on that. I, I do blame budget. Uh, for that as as well it's just um it's really unfortunate because for a film that uh, you know has 11 monsters in it again i truly feel like this film doesn't do a good enough job of not just giving each kaiju a moment although a few of them do get their moments obviously but most of them don't and the fact too that uh, i'm just not as fully impressed with um, the kaiju action in this film. Sure, like at the end of the film, when we have all 11 kaiju there battling King Ghidorah, I think from a technical standpoint, it's well done because you have all these monsters, you have X amount of guys in suits, but then you have X amount of guys in the rafters controlling like the wings of Ghidorah, controlling Rodan, controlling the marionettes of, of Kumonga and, and um, uh, Mothra and, and the like. So from a technical standpoint, it's impressive. But from an execution standpoint in terms of what we get, uh, it's not that impressive mm-hmm. because once Ghidra lands – and the monsters gang up on him, that's it. <laughs> I mean, Ghidra's toast. So um, that was one of the things I was always deeply disappointed about uh, in this movie as well, is that, yeah, I mean, Ghidra is going to be outnumbered. He's going to get his butt kicked. But the, again, the moment he lands, that's it. And it's not much of an interesting climax, in my opinion. Yeah, it's... I think... Yeah, they probably should have planned it out more just to make it, even though that you have all these monsters and it's like, oh, it'll just be like whatever you mentioned that he'll get his ass whooped. But you would think that they they would at least try to try to show the true power of King Ghidorah at least for a little bit. In the in the fi- final battle of destroy all monsters, yeah, um, and this m- script was written by 
uh, Takeshi Kimura. Um, it was his first uh, kaiju film in a while because basically uh, Shinichi Sekizawa wrote every Godzilla script from King Kong versus Godzilla up to Son of Godzilla. And I guess there had been some tensions between Honda and Sekizawa as far as the representations of the kaiju. Um, Sekizawa, I think, wanted a more lighter-hearted approach to the kaiju action, while Honda wanted to be a bit more serious with it. And so Kimura came in and, and did the script for this particular film. And I've always occasionally have called this movie Monster Zero Light, mm-hmm. meaning that really when you watch this film and you pay attention to it, just the general uh, – plot points it's very much a carbon copy of monster zero yeah a little bit yeah you have space expeditions you have uh an alien race using mind control on the monsters uh and they're using that obviously to invade the earth and to destroy earth cities um you know it's it's very much in the scope of Monster Zero. The unfortunate aspect, again, with this film is that the story is very thin, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a popcorn film, but it sort of takes away, sadly, some of the um, – stakes of the film because it's not fully fleshed out um the characters are incredibly one-dimensional and even with good actors like akira kubo jun tazaki and the like um even as good of the as good as those actors are they still aren't able to make these characters as interesting as they should be and that's very unfortunate here and i don't care much for um shoot what's his girlfriend's name in this film um what's Find her name out here yeah, my, actually hold on a second here for some reason i always keep wanting to type destroy you <laughs> instead of destroy cast uh Kyoto, Kyoto, played by Yukiko yep. Kobayashi. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays very submissive role once she gets the earrings pulled from her ears later speaking, on. In the speaking film. of, and I pull, find, pulling the uh, the earrings off. It's like I always just kind of <laughs> cringe a, a little bit, or just like. Uh. Every time when that earring yeah, I mean, gets I did pulled the up. first few times I saw the movie. Now I'm just like, eh. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I have a bit of a problem with that because uh, Kyoto, right now as she's under the Keylock spell, is a very powerful character. In fact, she's more interesting this way than when she is later. She just becomes this quiet, submissive woman later on and basically is relegated uh, to the sidelines after that. And it's just kind of like, come on, Honda, like you're better than this. You usually have some pretty strong female characters in a number of your films. And here, once she's out from uh, under the Keylock spell, 
she just she more or less kind of disappears so to speak from the film and that's pretty disappointing mm. Yoshio Suchia here. Suchia always loved uh, playing very interesting characters, especially aliens. Uh, he, he was the controller of Planet X from Monster Zero, and of course here he plays uh, a doctor on Ogasawara Island who is now under the control of the Keelocks. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes Kenji Sahara also is in the film, but he's relegated to a very minor uh, part in yeah. this film. As far as Yoshio in this film, he sort of kind of reminds me of his character. I think it's sort of kind of this a little bit of the same character that he portrayed in Matango, but of course, more I would say more of a sophisticated, but and also not. Uh, psychotic when he goes towards that, towards the end of his uh, character's uh, role in Matango. I look at his um, role here, his portrayal, and it reminds me more of his role in Battle in Outer Space when he's under alien control in that film as well. Yeah, I... I don't even think I've seen that film yet. If so, probably just a little bit. I'm positive you probably have seen it. Not the entirety, as far as I remember. And then when it comes to this whole Keylock uh, setting here, it sort of also reminds me of Super Monster Gamera with the setting with kind of the sheets and everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course that stuff comes through more with the Blu-ray than it does on VHS or DVD. Um, the Keylock are interesting. It's a basically... A, an all-female race of aliens. <laughs> Japanese John Wayne trying to solve everything with the <laughs> pistol. <laughs> All right, let's try that on you. <laughs> Do you think your skull will stop this bullet? <laughs> if it is a bullet with those kinds of guns. Question, is my gun loaded or not loaded? Question, is my gun a gun? <laughs> or is it an ice cream cone? <laughs> or is it just one of those uh, duster air duster blower things <laughs> or a squirt gun like a really heavy duty squirt gun
watch out or else I'll shove you with my gun off the side. Mm. <laughs> this is a movie that I've seen quite a few times in like the 22 years that um, I've had it. And like, even though I'm not a huge fan of the film, I watch it frequently enough, and I think part of it is due to the fact that this film is held in such high regard within the fandom that I'm always, I think, trying to figure out, um, outside of nostalgia, why so many people love this film so much. Um and I – again, I, I just have difficulty trying to sort of, um, I guess, see what so many others see in this film. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it on the uh, commentary cam here. We're having a gunfight. And action purposes and one of the more funny ridiculous moments <laughs> of the film there <laughs> get shot in the head by the way since you're on YouTube there uh, just yeah. make uh, see if you can hear yourself since I've got the commentary oh, cam on <laughs> just want to double check Everything is very faint. I can't really. I don't know if I can make out myself, but when I hear you, it sounds very, very faint. I can hear myself now, but again, it still sounds faint. You're faint. I'm going to faint. Oh. <laughs> Funny thing is, I hear myself, but then I didn't hear you there. Let's see here. I can hear myself. I couldn't hear you. And like I said, everything sounds faint. Do you know what happens? Oh, well, you're a little too happy for that. Now I can hear you there. Yeah, because I can hear you perfectly fine on YouTube there. But anywho, there goes Yoshio. In a very ridiculous <laughs> dummy being thrown out. Yeah. 
They're all of a sudden going James Bond on us. This does remind me of a couple of the earlier James Bond yeah. movies. I need to revisit those. The last time I went through that series was late 2015 into early 2016. Last time I watched a James Bond movie was that that latest one. Yeah, Spectre. a couple of years ago. Yeah, I went in an order of release because I bought the 50th anniversary DVD set and I went in order. I'm not even sure when the last time I saw some of those classic ones. Probably been a long time. My favorite one is the fifth one where I think it's called You Only Live Twice, I think it's called. It's the one where he's in Japan. Gotcha. And I, I think it's Akiko Wakabayashi okay. is in that one. I wonder how that new one's going to... I wonder how that new one's going to turn out. Well, we'll find out whenever the pandemic's over. (laughs) It's like, I'm just going to stab you even though you're dead. I'm taking out a butter knife. It's like, well, good luck with that, I guess. (laughs) I'm going to butter him up. (laughs) I can't believe he's not alive. (laughs) Pew, 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 pew. But But yeah, it's like, now that... I now know uh, Hayata is in this movie more and more now since diving in more to Ultraman. It's just sort of hard to see him playing as a villain. He um, played a villain also in Ghidorah. Yeah, it's just... he. Was, I think he's called like Mustachioed Man <laughs> or whatever. It's still just hard to see him play as a villain. Nope. I like how they just, you know, yank that little BB-sized pellet. <laughs> Radio device. I like device. how they let Jun Tazaki and Akira Kubo in there, you know, when they're not wearing scrubs and face masks. Yeah. I should go into, like, the local hospital. Well, they let them do it in this 1968 movie. Why won't you let me do it? (laughs) Just looks like my hair follicles. This actor here, uh, his name is something Hughes, I want to say. Again, I'm going to double check here. It's uh, Dr. Uh, Andrew Hughes. The Andrew Hughes, yep, plays Dr. Stevenson. Uh, he's in one of my favorite films, The Golden Bat. Ogambato. Uh yeah, I just – he's – you see him a couple times in some of these kaiju films. I'm trying to remember if he was in Terror Beneath the Sea as well with Sonny Chiba. I'm, I don't remember if he was or not, um, but I love uh, I, I love him in Golden Bat. Uh, there is a 
Wikipedia page of his here. What'd you say what the uh, one movie was? I want to say it was maybe Terror Beneath the Sea, but I'm not sure. And when was that made? Gosh, like late 60s, I want to say. It's got, um, oh shoot, what's her name from X from Outer Space, who was at the recent G-Fest. Oh, what's that gal? Oh, there's the Battle of the Japan Sea. Uh, Latitude Zero. (laughs) Yeah, Latitude Zero. Uh, New Zealand, no Wakadai show. Uh, the Big Explosion, Nippon Ichino, uh, Yorgiri Otako, oh, Oto- Otoko, uh, and then, of course, Australia Monsters, and then for that, Booted Bay, Busted Boss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not seeing the tear beneath the sea, but okay, he's in yeah. battle, battle in Outer Space. And then the final movie that he was in was uh, Sayonara Jupiter. I have yet to see that one. He was also in uh, Tora Tora Tora. And then Submersion of Japan. I have that one, but it's been a couple of years since I've seen yeah, that Apparently one. he uh, plays as the Prime Minister of Australia. In that movie. I will say some of the composite shots in this movie are very good. Like, I haven't paid as careful attention to them on Blu-ray, but I've noticed a couple times already, like earlier when they initially saw the flying saucer on the moon, I didn't realize that the control panel that was kind of shown off to the side near what was supposed to be the ship's window, that was like a map painting. Well, and then, and uh, then, I didn't and then realize when they were that. in the, you know, before they showed the whole, uh, uh, control uh, room there like they show the kind of the entire Tokyo and then they go uh, sort of screen over to a building that was all map paint Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I noticed too. Like there was um, a building which they showed like a radio tower, I believe mm-hmm. it was, and that was a painting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though that, as you mentioned earlier, with this being a, you know, having a much su- significant uh, bankroll compared to the two other films, you would think that they would probably have m- more more or less these map paintings if they want to show some of these things but it seems like well, it doesn't quite look like it <laughs> well no i mean the budget was bigger than the other two films but it still wasn't as big as let's say mothra versus godzilla even so you and then know. you can obviously see right here <laughs> lots of blue screen or matte screen here composite shots yeah I mean the miniature work I mean look at this here like with the monorail and all that and kind of um, near the bay and all that the models are still really Mm -hmm. good 
some of the cars are uh, unconvincing, especially given the fact that, um, you know, from a realistic representation of traffic, it, it's just kind of throws you off a, a brief right. bit, but it's not a big deal. Why aren't the buildings exploding yet? <laughs> Plot hole. So, yeah, like the kaiju that get their moments in this movie, obviously Godzilla does, King Ghidorah does, Rodan a bit too, so does Mothra, Gorosaurus near the end does. Um, You know, a few of them get their moments, but by and large, most of the kaiju uh, just get real bit parts here which is unfortunately it is it is what it is because you can you know obviously tell about that when we get to the final battle yeah what i love here i love the fact manda does get a brief bit here and i love how they were able to somehow get it get that puppet to twist around and you and i don't personally see any wires even with this blu-ray and how they were able to do that without getting wires or whatever they use um you know caught up in in the model work there i don't know but it's just that is amazing and the one in the one brief second that i noticed in one of the shots when uh right after manda coiled himself around that monorail track that they reuse like briefly in one shot the the old Godzilla suit that was in Godzilla versus the sea monster there I would argue this particular sequence is not only the most entertaining but the most impressive sequence of the entire film cuz you have these decent sized stages with these wonderfully built models and some of them are good size some of them are the size of Godzilla if not even a bit taller uh, it's very impressive I think it's more impressive than the final battle well and then when you think about it too being maybe just as tall or possibly taller than Godzilla the one thing that you should also think about that those buildings are much taller than Nakajima himself yeah and possibly some of the other people that have worked on this if I had the chance and stuff like roaming around those uh, sized uh, like modeled cities and everything just going through it that would be so much fun 
only thing that I really don't like about this sequence, and this happens in quite a few kaiju movies, but it happens an awful lot here, is the self-defense force is lousy. I mean, look at look at how very few of these shots even hit their mark. <laughs> well, isn't it like that almost every time in every yeah, movie? Yeah, but it just <laughs> seems like it's worse in this movie. <sighs> I do love the fact Manda is involved. It's great to see a very minor kaiju get a bit part. And here in the forefront, the guy with his back completely turned towards us, that is Haruo Nakajima. Right there, he turned around, he's partially bald in the front there. That's Haruo Nakajima. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also like how it's amazing. Uh, it's crushed. Yeah, I also like how they uh, have Mothra come out from the building there like that. It's you. It's 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 unique. But my problem with some of these models, and this is a big thing with a lot of the earlier Godzilla movies, is I never felt like, with some exceptions. Uh, I thought most of the miniatures, when they fell, never seemed realistic. They looked more like models than buildings because a lot of them were hollow. Mm -hmm. You know, earlier on, it didn't look like that there was much damage, but then <laughs> after showing this whole aftermath thing, it's just devastating. See what happens when you close Burger King early? The monsters get mad. For me, it's whenever Popeye's is closed. <laughs> that explains all the chaos where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you calling me up the other day and you go, love that chicken for Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a little bit of Raising Cane's. It's but yeah, speaking of Burger King, I got one right next door. I, I'm actually getting hungry for Burger King. <laughs> I try to stay away from meats. We we try most of the time we eat vegetarian type of meals, but once in a while we'll have like meat type of uh, dinners too. I actually do like the the Impossible Whopper. That Impossible stuff is good. Although I did try this um, one, was it Beyond Meats? Oh, yeah. Uh, thing. I they was it Target and Cub carries those. And after a while, it's like it doesn't. It's like I don't know. There's something that sort of and overpowers it to where it's like, yeah. It just sort of turns you off a little bit. Whereas when it comes to the impossible patties and all that, it doesn't do that to me. I I forget who makes them, but we get them every once in a while. Uh, type of veggie burgers are the black, spicy black bean burgers. Boca? Is that the one you're talking about? I don't think that's the one. I forget who made them. They're kind of in white and green packaging. Oh, I know uh, what you're. I know what you're talking but about. But those yeah. things are delicious. I eat those plain. <laughs> sometimes when we get those, those are so good. But but yeah, it's like for me when it comes to some of these certain vegetarian things, like when I'm in the mood, I probably do certain 
ones, but otherwise, like, I just can't live without. <laughs> it's hard, uh, but it's easier than you think. Like, one of the dishes I made here a day, a couple days ago, uh, was a peanut butter noodles, Thai peanut butter noodles. Very good. Mm. Oh, here, then, here comes um, the whole earring pulling. Drip, drip, drip. <laughs> And then she faints. <laughs> That'd be funny if like half the room did too. Oh, blood. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the other day I went to the uh, ramen noodle shop that's uh, walking distance from me. Oh, man, it was so good. It's like I haven't those, had ramen in an awfully long time. It was like the second time I went to that ramen shop. It's really good. Like I did the crispy chicken. Oh. We have a noodles and company, but we have yet to go there. I think because Iowa City put one in within the final year or two we lived there. And um, Michelle and I went there, I think, once. And we just we weren't that impressed by it. I should probably check to see if you guys have any authentic ramen noodle shops over there. I know, I'm going to look it up right now. Let's see here. <laughs> Ramen. I can't remember anything. The poison gas. Well, let's say noodles and company. Ah, let's see here. Sapporo Ramen and Noodle Bar on MAC Avenue. So that's kind of by campus. So there's that. Uh, oh my sushi ramen noodles are not freshly made here so apparently that person didn't like that <laughs> well, that's a little bit off well no it's still by campus I guess so it looks like the only real good one that's relatively outside of noodles and company um, is the Sapporo ramen and noodle bar which is relatively close to campus They have clips or pins that you unclip or unlatch. I know because I used to have earrings. <laughs> yeah, through that uh, little phase of yours. <laughs> I can still remember that. The only thing that sucked was like really having to like clean your ears and all that. And even then, like sometimes it didn't always work effectively. And um, I just kind of got tired of doing that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, so they got some Izakaya items there. Sobaman. Rice. What are you talking about? Uh, the Sapporo ramen shop. Oh. They do rice, udon, cup rice. Yeah, they got some pretty decent stuff here. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check that out. So they only do takeout. Yeah, Godzilla against the rocket. It's a special rocket. I don't know, but it's just how it is. How come bullets and stuff don't hurt Godzilla and many of these other monsters? It just is. It's just the way it is. 
I always imagine the kaiju in this scene to look like dogs or something, <laughs> like digging holes. Because <laughs> all you see is, like, you see their heads. Not right now, pal. And, like, just a bunch of foliage being thrown. Or sort of, uh, like, I'm trying to expect King Kong to be in this, but no, it's not. <laughs> or Santa or Gaia. <laughs> That would be great if they could have gotten the gargantuas, but those suits probably were probably busted. When when was that movie made? See, again, like, even with the tanks and some of those at relatively close range, most of them are just (laughs) – they couldn't hit the broad side of a 8,000-foot barn, these these self-defense force guys. Yeah. But, yeah, as far as the gargantuas, when was that movie made again? 66. So just about a couple of years before this movie. A couple of years removed. Keep it quiet. I do like this Angurus suit and everything here. Let's play with this tank. Zoom, zoom. Well, it's like Godzilla looks at Angerus, and Godzilla's like, you know what? That's a good idea. I will stomp on it. <laughs> stomp. Let's play. Let's uh, ride these like skates. That'd be funny if you saw him in the next scene, Godzilla skating with tanks on his. <laughs> He pulls an M11. (laughs) (laughs) And then now that I think about the helmets that they're wearing... It sort of reminds me like they're trying to put on these uh, coffee cans, like cut out coffee oh. can <laughs> containers, like those metal ones. You know, considering the times we live in right now, I would love to have something like that. <laughs> It'd be pretty awesome. Like, could, I mean, you I could do like, that uh, for uh, next year, like the uh, the costume parade. Just make your own uh, like astronaut suit from destroy all monsters yeah i'm not that motivated but like i have these, i like how you just say it straight like face goggle glasses that i use when i go out sometimes and you know because of the mask and everything like they get fogged up most of the time even when i just breathe throughout my nose and it's it's annoying that's the one annoying thing about that well yeah that that also happens to me when i wear those um masks they do like woodwork and all the other stuff it's like yeah. there'll, there'll be a certain time like when i put those masks on like all like the air will see through like through where the nostrils nostrils are and right up to my glasses <laughs> there and fog them up when i worked for the university like six plus years ago we had to wear gowns and hairnets and masks and I used to wear my glasses initially all the time 
Well, I ended up having some of those same issues. Well, on top of that, we were dealing with bedding for the animals, and a lot of it was, um, you know, kind of like smashed up mulch or paper. Well, it created a lot of dust, and so not only were my glasses fogging up, but I was getting all this dust and junk on my glasses from the bedding. So I just said, ah, the heck with it. You know, this <laughs> made things better. This scene right here, it sort of reminds me of. Uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, the nineteen ninety one movie, oh. in a way, like you know, with the army and everything, and then the Godzilla source where they go back in time. Oh, it sort yeah. of reminds me of that. But it's, uh, it's the like the whole uh, Japanese def- self defense force, not the U.S. military. Well, with this particular shot here, we get sort of our first low-angle shots involving not just Godzilla, but Kaiju in general for the first time in a while in this series. Mm -hmm. It's just too bad that we didn't get more of those shots throughout the series. You got them quite a bit in The Return of Godzilla, and I think even a occasionally in Biolani, but then kind of after that, well, not so much. And Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah too. With well, yeah, Godzilla that's what I'm saying, here. not so much after kind of Biolani. You know Biolani. No, I, no, I don't. Then why are you on this podcast? <laughs> And why you asked me to be on it? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see how strong you are pushing that rock. It'd <laughs> be funny if Akira Kubo goes, I dare you to punch that rock and see. And so then they start having a wager and they're like, I got five that says he can't. I, I got three that says I can. And I've got two that says, no, you can't. Oh, yeah? Ready? And oh! <laughs> a wager. And he pulls his hand away and like you see part of the bone jut oh. knuckles and he's just like, oh! But yeah, like, Five, three, and two bucks. Like, I would probably wager more than that. <laughs> it depends on what you got, because guess what? It's a monster apocalypse, which I guess is pretty. Uh, I probably would say I would wager you Fort Knox. <laughs> you have to give me Fort Knox. Well, I'm not the government, so I can't give it to you. What? <laughs> That one gal just to the left doesn't look uh, yeah. to be doesn't look all that thrilled. To I was be there. I was thinking the same thing. It's like she looks pissed, <laughs> like she doesn't want to be there right now. I always thought this sequence here that we're about to see with uh, one of the keylock saucers coming up and then going out that tunnel, how marvelous in execution that is, where they use wires and a winch to. Um, get that thing to rise and then they go out that tunnel. I mean, it's it's amazing. Okay, so that's weird. They brought up three saucers and then two go back down. Explain that to me when they only needed the one. I, don't I just know. realized that for the first time after how many times I've seen this movie. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be funny if Kubo goes, tell me, you only needed one saucer, yet you lifted three up, and then you lowered the other two. Why? <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> it's like, why is that even a question to ask? Because that was, that was the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> it seems like a waste of time and energy, ma'am. <laughs> What will die? Well, you are part of the self-defense force, so you understand the hazards of the job. One's in a clamshell. I didn't realize that before. <laughs> That's a big clamshell. Pretty clean one, too. Yeah, one day I was trying to eat some oysters from this big-ass clam, but all I got was just a fucking <laughs> big-ass BB-sized receiver. <laughs> I wonder, you know, you look at it, you would... If you got some crazy person who found that, wouldn't they think it was a pearl and then they wouldn't want to give it? No, I'm keeping this, sir. That's a radio transmitter that controls a monster. Give it to us before the monster. No, it's a pearl. (laughs) (laughs) I do like this set here with the moon base and everything. It's pretty cool. It's too bad Sahara didn't have more of a prominent role here. Yeah, like when he says, don't land, they'll, they'll, they'll ask, well, why not? Because I said so, dumbass. <laughs> As your commanding officer, I'm telling you to shut up and do what I say. <laughs> Another downside or you know to this movie unfortunately is that there are a number of sequences that are um elongated I guess that that use up an awful lot of valuable time that could have been used for either monsters or something more dramatic and the biggest offender in this movie as I'm sure you are thinking what I'm thinking, is when they destroy that radio transmitter inside the oh, moon yeah. here in a few minutes. <laughs> that me, whole sequence, I think, takes like four or five minutes. To me, that that part is not quite as annoying as the, the submarine scene in Latitude Zero. Oh, well, (laughs) the funny thing was, um, what was it, a couple weeks ago or whenever when we were deciding what to do for this podcast, I thought to myself when I was going through the movies that we have yet to do commentaries on, I go, oh shit, Latitude Zero, I forgot about that movie, (laughs) like, it's been so long since I've seen that, and at the same time, part of me was going... Oh, at some point, we got to do that one. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Kubo from that angle looks like he could even be bald under that helmet. 
You're bald. I almost looked like it here like a month, month and a half ago when I buzzed my head. <laughs> but yeah, this whole sequence, unfortunately, um, just goes on longer than it should. You, you could have done it in a fraction of the time, and it probably would have packed more of a bigger punch. But they just want to make it dramatic, okay? It gets dull and boring. And again, part of the problem, sadly, with this film is just because of how it's written, it's not as dramatic in terms of raising the stakes as it should be. Well, they are raising the stakes. That's why they're blowing fire at this <laughs> spaceship here. That'd be funny if they uh, rolled down their windows and they're like, all right, here's some marshmallows, here's some kebabs, here's a New York strip. <laughs> well, and then one guy's just bringing out his Nathan hot dogs. I would say the temperature would be much more than that. <laughs> And similar to Monster Zero, uh, the aliens have a particular weakness. In Monster Zero, obviously, it was a high-pitched sound. Here, it's cold temperatures for the key locks. It would have been funny that the the the, uh, bridge there from the spaceship wasn't going down all the way, and then they went off and then went all the way down (laughs) all the way down to the base either that or like they got confused where they how they landed the ship and it was up against a wall and then the door like smacks up against the wall of the cavern like oh no (laughs) be like well this mission is all fucked Not so smug now, eh? It's a laser. <laughs> it's a laser. They're trying to blow stuff up. Well, they. Well, I was talking about the key locks there. Like they were just. Well, I'm not even thinking oh, the question. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I was talking about. I'm not even talking to you. Well, I'm not talking to you right now. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the face expression of the one gal that was to the left of one of the key locks, where she where she was like just looks like this as she was going down. <laughs> that would have been funny, like if she did that and then just like her head blew up or something, <laughs> popped like a balloon. <laughs> Hello, DoorDash. Uh, this is Postmates. <laughs> Damn, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got 
got to check on DoorDash, see where my food is. <laughs> get out. I got to take a piss. It's so funny because a couple of times when I watch the sequence, I realize, oh, crap, like there's a movie going on here. Like I tend to zone out uh, a decent block of this sequence a lot of times because it just goes on and on. It just it's not handled as well as it should be or as expeditiously as it should It's also kind of funny how it just goes from colorful when you see that shot there and all of a sudden just turns into this grayish, coldish look. It's like those Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck episodes where, you know, either Elmer Fudd or Bugs, they're the artists and they're drawing and erasing stuff. Harassing the other character. Well, I lost that bit. It makes you wonder. It's big ass. I would like, it's big ass sperm. <laughs> how can they have some sort of advanced civilization when they're worms part of the time? Who knows? It's just the way it is, Kent. I know. I'm thinking too much about it, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, stop overthinking things. No. <laughs> Do I have to pick these up? It looks like poo. <laughs> Gold lathed poo. <laughs> That's some weak defenses that they got around that uh, transmitter. Well, you would have thought it got it would have gotten busted by all the uh, rocks falling <laughs> on top of it. There, it probably should have. <laughs> And checking my bingo card and bingo. Yes, we are all doomed, just got covered. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> my nail filers aren't working. <laughs> Man, that, yeah, those must be some intense nails you got if you're using something like that. <laughs> This whole sequence, like if you're go, if you're talking about the moment that they start landing, like they start their descent into the cavern, and all the way up until the point this transmitter is 
detached. I mean, this has to be like 10 or so minutes of very slow action, if you want to call it that. But the thing is about action, it needs to be action. (laughs) Heave ho, heave ho, heave ho. Bring down the giant. <laughs> See, even my son's going, where's the fight? He's <laughs> he's getting impatient. He's seen this movie numerous times. One of his favorites, right? That and the new King of the Monsters. How many times has he seen this one? seen this yeah. one? Oh gosh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 times at least. Jeez. <laughs> That's when we started doing the whole like, let's go through and watch at least every single kaiju movie once so you get exposed to something other than those two movies, because if he had it his way, I mean, he would watch a few of the other ones, but it would mainly be this one and the new King of the Monsters. Yeah. It's overheating. There's just too much energy going through something that isn't built to withstand that amount of energy. Like Daddy's one iPod, it was overheating in his pants and just about leaked (laughs) all over. And I'm not joking. I am not joking. My one iPod that I've had for a year started overheating. Why, I don't know. Overloading with excitement. (laughs) In this movie? The end. No. (laughs) No. I like that sequence we saw earlier in Tokyo. Which part is your favorite, Dad? <laughs> when it's over, <laughs> that shit gets <laughs> I should have timed this. It had to have been like ten minutes from the moment they started their descent to the now. That one guy, I swear, got shot earlier. Why is he there? Which one? He was a uh, brunette guy. He was Boy, like that was really specific. <laughs> I swear he was part of that earlier gunfight on the island, and I swear he was one of the guys that got shot. Like, he was the guy that I think got shot in the abdomen. I could be wrong, but it looks impeccable like that one I'm guy. I'm just probably going to assume that you're dead wrong. I could be, like I said, I could be, but I'm just saying it looks very much like that one guy. That'd be funny if they checked that out and they realized, no, this isn't one of the key locks, it's just a generic moon rock. <laughs> but yeah. That's why they aren't coming out. <laughs> Not even a key lock is a moon rock. But yet they need thousands of degrees to be active again. Seems quite then a lot. explain this. How were some of those former Ogasawara Island employees able to withstand that intense heat? 
plot hole. And potentially live forever, too. Bring out the Macers. <laughs> Don't bother me. I'm at a party. <laughs> Doctor, you idiot. There's a monster <laughs> outside my window. <laughs> Good. I put him there. Wait a minute, you traitor. Let me ask you something there, son. Are you high? <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> well, well, I'm drunk right now. That's a Rocky statue. It'll experience something different. <laughs> <laughs> Loud kabooms. <laughs> and sonic boom. I kind of like that shot. A mixture of uh, miniature and matte painting. Those missiles there always remind me of those badminton birds. Oh, yeah. Now, this, this sort of reminds me of... Uh, I don't know, for those of you who have watched uh, Dragon Ball Z, it sort of reminds me of the whole Cell saga with the Cell games where they had, like, the cameraman and announcer out in this, like, plot of land, like, out in the middle of nowhere. That's how all those Dragon Ball Z ones are, though. I remember the Frieza ones. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, this is animation. Like, you can have it in a metropolis. Well, they were, they were on a different planet for that entire battle. A very goofy Manda marionette. There's the uh, Varan marionette. See, there's the one brunette guy there. Second one. I don't even remember him from the earlier parts. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Whatever. I'm sorry, but I can't take Ghidorah seriously. Again, we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast where it's just like, man, you know, sure, Ghidorah can take a beating, but this guy, if he was by himself, like, if you didn't have another monster to help protect the Earth, sure. I mean, like, it's dangerous and, and all that. But when you got Godzilla, it's like, dude, Ghidorah's nothing. <laughs> Although when it comes to the 2019 Ghidorah, I'd say That's it's different. different. Yeah. I'd say he's much more formidable. Formid formidable. <laughs> 
See, why isn't he shooting off his lightning right now? He's got the higher ground. Don't know. There's your mistake. You landed. (laughs) You imitating the fight? (laughs) He's got his toys and stuff on the floor. He's imitating the battle. (laughs) Not surprised. My guy. What is that? You keep breaking those. I see breaking. Like pieces of those exploding buildings from that New York set you gave. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know how many of those he keeps giving me, like every time he plays with that set. It's like, dude, Jason had this set for like 20 years and he never broke a piece and you've only had it for like a year and you've broken like just about the entire set well the one thing that was already broke was the uh, atomic ray launcher from Godzilla oh yeah I mean yeah that goes with that saying yeah It's an opal. That's what I always thought, too. (laughs) Seriously, that has to hurt. (laughs) It's like anger. I shouldn't be down and out from that. Ghidra should have been like, ouch, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, that's a plot <laughs> hole. funny then he just got blown up all this <laughs> I kind of don't like that guy I really don't it's just like dude why are you there like well it's newsworthy people want to know it's like dude and get killed all that mad what matters more is that the keylocks are defeated well you still have that opal like thing still which is part of keylocks Lock secret weapon, fancy rocks. <laughs> Doof. Why they didn't just like break up the the neck? I don't know. <laughs> It's just the way it is, Kent. 
kind of funny how Mino is the one that gets the uh, the final shot. <laughs> the here. final blow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how he just throws the Ghidra head and it bounces back yeah. up. <laughs> He's like, stay down and starts stomping on it again. I also like how Goro's uh, Goro Source is a part of this whole battle. Basically, from yeah, the get go. More or less like second in command here. There we go. And. Plop. Finished. <laughs> Smoke rings. Minya wins. Flawless victory. Oh, that didn't do much. (laughs) I also like how Mania just goes on top of Ghidorah there. I remember when I first saw this, they were saying, oh, the fire dragon. And I'm like, oh, man, we get to see a new kaiju. And it's like, ugh, it's a flying saucer that just had an accident at a local barbecue. <laughs> Poor Rodan. I feel like he gets picked on on some level in this film. <laughs> which I don't think is not much at all. (laughs) Quick hide. Yeah, that's going to save you. (laughs) I mean, look at how much that island's blown up. Like, how did they survive that? We never see them come out of the rubble. It can't. So look at that. Like, virtually the entire island is gone. It can't. I know. That's just the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) You're thinking too much. (laughs) I like how that whole island is just now set ablaze. And there's not a single piece of ash on it later at the end of the movie when they do their helicopter tour. Nor any trees at all burnt (laughs) to a crisp. And speaking of ash, there's no single piece of ass on it either (laughs) when they go back. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Like, oh no, I've been found out. They found out the recipe to all the that's, secret season. That's so <laughs> smug after all, eh? <laughs> after your lucky charms. <laughs> Hearts, stars, horses, clovers, and blue moons, pots of golden rainbows, and the red balloons, plus a blue opal. I liked how Godzilla's, like, after he tried to blow that 
face. The the <laughs> the whole panel up like a couple times that it wasn't going, it's like F this. <laughs> then it just goes over and yeah, smashes it. You just take a look at his face and it's just like hmm. It's like, Fuck it. <laughs> It's like that one American terrorist in Godzilla vs. Bailani. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the first time ever, King Ghidorah is destroyed. He dead. And this is supposed to be in 1999, yet Son of Godzilla was held in 1967. Minya has really not grown in 30 years. <laughs> they became worms. They go into an indefinite period of hibernation. What? It just, they're cold. They just are in hibernation. Oh. Puppy dog. This particular sequence tends to go on a little bit longer than it should, too, with the rocket and the spaceship. Yeah, talk about the sequence from earlier. <laughs> this is ever so slightly more exciting, but at the same time, it's nowhere near as long as trying to knock off that transmitter. down. What? The missile's gonna blow up and we can't launch it? Oh no! <laughs> I like I like how you said that while <laughs> with that sequence there. <laughs> Just a coinky dink. What? What about it? Yeah, he died. Sank into the earth. <laughs> Just gets buried. He's dead. And... I never once found this sequence all that interesting, although with the exception of the first time, because again, like I said, I thought this fire dragon was indeed like a brand new kaiju we were going to see here. <laughs> and then turns out to be flying sauce. It's like, oh, well. <laughs> no, duh. Well, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> if it was that easy, why didn't they do it earlier when on the moon? You know what? Again, I'm thinking too much again. Can't. <laughs> hey, can't. I, I know. <laughs> You're thinking too much. <laughs> 
And then somehow the good doctor gets out from the wreckage of Ogasawara Island and takes our two love birds on a helicopter ride over Monster Island. After several more explosions here. Yeah. This is kind of the one of the I don't want to say whiplash inducing because I don't think it's that jarring but it's just it's one of those endings that just doesn't seem to have a natural transition. And see look, vegetation hasn't been burnt to a crisp. And bargain. Looking pretty good, despite the fact it gets decapitated almost every time it's on Ultraman. Well, this was made before the whole Ultraman series. No, Ultraman started in 66. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, hey, you're, you watch more Ultraman than I do, like, and I even knew that. And as we trail off, we say goodbye. And that is it. up on the blu-ray player there all right so kind of like with a lot of these commentaries it's kind of funny how time flies that felt like it was 40 minutes instead of 90 minutes but um again it's it's a um it's an interesting film uh i'm more into why so many people love this film so much more so than I am in the film itself for the most part but um, it's an okay film I, I don't think it has uh, the excitement that that many people say it has but again it's personal preference personal opinion again if I had seen this maybe uh, when I was eight when I first became a fan or maybe even younger uh, I probably would have that nostalgia built into it to where this would be like one of my favorites but uh, as it stands that's not the case but even then um, I, I think like I can understand on some level why people would enjoy it outside of nostalgia and um, but on top of that it's like I, I just I look at it and I'm just kind of saying it's all right <laughs> i mean it's well i think a movie like monster zero is a better film but um you know well and the one thing too that a lot of people sort of complain about and i know we mentioned about this before is that uh like when it comes to some of these uh kaiju films like if there's something that doesn't have a whole lot of monster action it's just majority of it is just the human like the human story basically whereas this one is just majority of that is just the human story 
and just a little bit of the monster action in it. And what- not this one. Well, there's some decent human action, yes, but this has more kaiju action in it than a film like Monster Zero. For me, I would say more of the monster action is probably towards the end. <laughs> and then you maybe well, get yeah, a little I mean, bit of like just the city part, which only lasts for maybe about maybe around five minutes or so. But that's it's still, still about it. <laughs> but if, if we probably timed this, I probably guarantee you probably it could, could be maybe around 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Well, here, let me, because I had Godzilla screen time. I've I've done this before. Let's see. Screen time of monsters in Toho films. Ba, ba, ba. Here we go. Godzilla franchise. This is from October 1st of 2017, so it's not going to reflect uh, a couple of the newer films. Um, so Mechagodzilla 2 is at the top with almost 27 minutes. Let's see. Let's find Destroy All Monsters here. Do, 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 do. Oh, come on. I don't know why this thing, every time it loads, it's just kind of... Invasion of Astro Monsters, 5 minutes, 43 seconds. Where is it? Destroy All Monsters, 829, but let's see. Oh, that's Godzilla screen time. It's not Kaiju screen time. But anyways, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a fair amount of kaiju action, but as we talked about earlier, like with the whole uh, moon landing sequence and, and what have you, um, the, there are a number of times throughout the film in which, sadly, uh, I just think there's a lot of wasted time that should have been used more for kaiju action, if not uh, the fleshing out of the human characters and or the story as well again as it stands it's an okay film but i i just don't see this film being as awesome as so many others um do it's it's an okay film Mm -hmm. i mean if i if i were to create a list ranking my uh favorite to least favorite this would land somewhere in the middle i would probably say the same thing too it's it's a good film but not like a really great fantastic film uh, I do like the miniatures, though, like in that whole Tokyo. The sets scene. are good. Yeah. Uh, the monster, like some of the monsters in there, I would say the selection that they had in there is pretty good. But I wish they would have actually, um, you know, taken the advantage to use them more and probably mm-hmm. pr- prolong the battle. Like I mentioned during our commentary that, uh, you know, they should have let King Ghidorah just kind of show, like, sort of his full-on power for a bit. Like, just, you know, overpower a lot of the monsters that were in this whole uh, thing. And then just, like, slowly and gradually that they uh, dominate Ghidorah and then, you know, defeat him uh, and as such. But, um, yeah, the human characters, yeah, I can see a little bit of the one-sidedness or the one-dimensional here and there. Um, But I would say some of the 
the selections that they had as far as who uh, betrayed these characters. I think it's uh, good for the kind of movie that they were going with this. Um, wish they would have had Takarada in this, but um, I'm guessing he was doing something else at the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good film. Uh, not great, not bad. Just sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an okay film. It, it more or less does what it's set out to do mm-hmm. to a point. Right. <laughs> and so with that, we thank you so much for joining us for our commentary on Destroy All Monsters. And uh, with, with that, um, I know you wanted to talk about like something separate um, right after yes. this. Uh, I think um, what I'll probably do is make a separate uh, thing from this. Probably take me maybe about 10 or so uh, minutes to get everything set up for that. But um, before we go, uh, the one thing that I want to say is um, if you haven't uh, subscribed to us uh, yet or if you want to know uh, where we stream, uh, like both video-wise like this and audio-wise, uh, you can find us at these following uh, podcasts and streaming networks. As far as the podcasts, uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. And then as far as the streaming networks, uh, YouTube, obviously, uh, Twitch, DLive, and uh, Periscope. And By the way, are you up to date on the podcast portion? Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. And um, as far as uh, social media, you can follow us at these uh, following social media uh, websites. Just search for Daikaiju Network. And we also have a uh, our own website, which you can find us over at <laughs> daikaijunetwork.com. And so with that... Uh, yeah, thanks uh, for watching us, and we'll probably be or listening. <laughs> yep, and uh, we'll uh, be right back in about a few minutes here via through uh, YouTube and like some of the other streaming networks via live here. So uh, just kind of uh, make a little special announcement in a bit. So we'll catch you guys in a few minutes. 